you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do, or maybe you just struggle to stay healthy in general. This is the Road to Health podcast, and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and make my dreams and goals a reality. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that life throws at me, but by working on developing a healthier mindset, I'm managing to build a firm belief in my own ability to change. No one needs to take this journey alone, so if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Are you looking for a little inspiration? Hey everyone, Tamar here from the Road to Health podcast. So glad you could join me today. Before we dig into today's episode, I have another amazing guest for you, and he has got such an inspirational story. I want to talk to you about the Mensana course that I am currently holding. I mentioned it on my last episode, uh, but now I have some firm dates for everyone. So like I mentioned, I'm bringing some amazing women through this course. It's for men and women. So uh, if you're if you're a guy and you're listening to this, don't be shy. Um, everyone is welcome. But it Mensana is Latin for healthy mind in a healthy body. And recently, I've been approved to start uh, taking people through this course. It's been an amazing experience. I have gone through it myself. And so basically, you're going to learn how to create your ikigai, which is your reason for being the reason you wake up in the morning. You're going to learn to create goals that align with your vision. You're also going to learn how to beat procrastination and overcome complacency. You're going to learn to accept your current reality and start heading towards your preferred reality and figuring out what is coming in between you from reaching your preferred reality. Also, we go into handling stress and managing emotions. And then, of course, taking control of how you think, feel, and act to create the best 90 days of your life. And you get that all with amazing support, an amazing group to uh, share the experience with. And I really hope to see you there. The two dates that I'm offering right now, this is a 12 to 13 week program. Uh, There is the first module is on developing your ikigai and goal setting. And then there is 12 modules to follow. So the first group that I'm going to be starting is August 23rd, which is a Sunday, and I believe it's 10 a.m. Pacific time. I can uh, give you the times exactly soon um, if you reach out to me for more information. The second group that I'm going to start is September 12th, which is a Saturday. So that gives you a couple options. Now, I am also doing something for a very limited time only. I believe it's only going to be in these next two groups is that I'm going to do a two for one. So if you're interested in it, uh, the course is four ninety five. dollars Uh, if you pay in full, or you can do uh, $45 per week for 13 weeks. So as you see, you get an added added, uh, value if you pay up front. But of course, we like to call that our non-procrastinators discount. But for these two groups only, I'm doing the two for one because I know times are tough out there. I know that there's a lot of people that are suffering Um, with everything that's been going on in the world. So I'd like to offer this if you are interested and you want to bring a friend for long. It's uh, two for the price of one. And so August 23rd is the first group. September 12th is the second. Uh, You can email me for more information at info at the road to health dot com and I'll send you some more details. Okay, you guys, um, let's hop into this episode. Today, I'm talking to my friend Kip Brooks. He is a coach, a best-selling author, and an inspirational speaker. Um, I think, although the interview did not go two hours, uh, we ended up talking for two hours because he has such an inspirational story to share. And we were just really excited to get on the call and share what we'd been through And um, I really, really enjoyed speaking with Kip. He has so much to offer in his story. You're going to hear how he had suicidal thoughts at the age of eight years old. Not 18, guys, eight years old. 
and it's a lot more common than you think, as he's going to share with us. Uh, He was homeless, had dealt with substance abuse issues, and he just wants to inspire other people to turn their lives around. So he has developed a career right now in coaching where he helps tons and tons of people um, also share their story. I mean, we talk about how he works with a lot of men now that have uh, come to him for help and gone through the same things as him. So once again, as I've stressed in previous episodes, becoming vulnerable and learning to share your story, um, you'll soon find out that you're not the only one that has to deal with this stuff and you don't have to go at it alone. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. I'm hanging out with my friend Kip Brooks, who is a coach, a best-selling author, and an international speaker. How are you doing, Kip? Fantastic. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Um, We had such a great conversation before we went live, and one of the things that we spoke about was sharing your story and how much of a powerful impact it could have on somebody whether you know it or not right and so you have an amazing story um can you tell us a bit about it and especially when you were younger i mean you know you talk about having suicidal thoughts at the age of eight which is you know people would think is unheard of you know what was that like for you yeah it's just um yeah, first, because uh, uh, one of the things I always get asked somewhere in the conversation when I'm, you know, at a seminar or something, and someone's talking to me afterwards, um, uh, it's I didn't realize that like suicide was a thing. Um, thank goodness, you know, it's way too young, naive, and innocent. But um, so what it looked like for me is uh, was, you know, I was taught like most kids, say my prayers at night or whatever, and um, around age eight those prayers changed to the typical now lay me down to sleep thing that everybody was seen to be taught um to just begging i was like you know um because i found myself questioning just spirituality and everything in the world and i was like if if someone's up there anyone <laughs> at all has any kind of control i was like if you uh I was like, if you're listening at all you won't let me wake up tomorrow i was like i don't want to live another day in this life i was like i just don't and uh and then after a couple of years of nothing happening from that, like somewhere around age 10, I was finally like, okay, I don't believe in like an unconditional loving higher power or anything like that anymore. I just kept slipping further down the scale. But luckily I had a younger sister who was born around uh, when I was around seven and a half. And uh, I just kept getting more and more connected to her. And I always had this like protective instinct. So um, I wanted to keep her safe. And I had this idea that, okay, something evil is out there and it's attacking me. But if I'm not here, um, cause somewhere when I was around age 10 to, uh, nine or 10, I don't remember 10, 11. Um, uh, my grandfather actually committed suicide. So then I knew there was such a thing and it intrigued me. Like I was drawn to it, but then, um, cause I hadn't climbed out of that hole I was in. But by then I had taken on the identity of, I'm supposed to be here to be a shield for her and uh, protect her. I was like, if I'm not here, all this gets dumped on her. I was like, so I've got to stay around at least until I know she's going to be okay. And then I'll move forward. And, um, but yeah, it was just, uh, you know, my parents worked a lot. They had their own business. Um, it was a 24 hour little, uh, truck stop gas station, uh, restaurant thing. So they were always at work never really at home um and if i wanted to be around them i had to go to their work and then when i would get there they would put me to work because when you're an entrepreneur you don't have to pay attention to child loss you know (laughs) when you have your own kids so uh, it was just like you know i'd hear all my friends talk about how their parents were involved in all this stuff they got to play sports and they had family game night and you know just all this stuff and we had none of that and uh but then i didn't really have any friends or anything because i grew up in a very poor area and uh the mentality was, and the idea was, oh, well, your parents own their own business. Um, you're a rich kid. You don't fit in with us. And we were actually poorer than they were. <laughs> like We were struggling. And my parents didn't have a healthy relationship. Um, to this day, I'm not sure that they had any love for each other whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I never witnessed that I can remember an ex- even a moment where they were actually getting along. Um, the only time I actually saw my dad like laugh or smile in direction of my mom as he was actually being a smart aleck to her 
in the middle of a fight and he was trying to push her buttons and make her more mad. And uh, so like, it was just this um, constant screaming, yelling, and just a lot of negative emotion around the house. And I was very empathic, very sensitive, um, not extremely sensitive, but like, uh, I never wanted to see people hurting as a kid ever. I was always trying to make people feel better. And uh, I, so many times I would go in like hide behind my bed, like not even under it. Cause it's like, everybody has under the bed. I would go around between it and the wall and try to be like safe. Cause it's like under the bed, people can come at me from all angles. I'd yes. watch horror movies to know that. So I was like, at least at the wall, I know they can't come from here. And I've just got to worry about like these directions, you know, and it, I would just be cowered there and also trying to block out the sound. So it created like this just insecure feeling, you know, lack of stability around the house and also a paranoia type thing. And uh, um, my dad was uh, uh, highly functional, but he was uh, largely an alcoholic. Um, never once saw him drink anything that didn't have hard liquor in it or moonshine, something like that. Uh, he, was, he and his brothers were bootleggers at one point because they lived in a, they grew up in a dry county. Um, and he also did some other things, you know, besides alcohol, but um, that was his poison of choice because it was legal. So, um, yeah, he was always tipsy. Like, if he was at home, he was passed out on the floor in front of the TV, just, you know, drank himself unconscious. But he wouldn't come home for days at a time. Um, and he was the physical disciplinarian. My mom was uh, uh, the she would give you the speech you know, and uh, update you on, well, you know, you, you've done this, 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 and this time. Like, so to me, I took it as I'm only screwing, like I'm always screwing up and uh, I'm useless. I'm worthless. And then you know, three days, my mom would give the lecture. Then like two or three days later, my dad would just decide to come home, knock you around a little bit and then leave. And he would never tell you what it was about. So we had to figure it out. And like there were uh, more than a few incidences of him just literally like, blowing in the door and you know spanking you whipping you whatever you want to call it and then turn around and run out and so i was just always felt on edge like terrified to turn my door my back to a door or an open area or anything because you never knew when he's going to come in you know swinging <clears throat> so it's just you know all this stuff just constantly being nervous i couldn't sleep i had insomnia then <laughs> to this day it's hard for me it goes my wife nuts it's hard for me to sleep more than like five or six hours a night, regardless how exhausted I am. Mm -hmm. Because as a kid for all those years, I mean, um, I was just always paranoid. Like, uh, I mean, I was woken up from a sleep uh, of a dad coming in to discipline me for something. So it made it hard to sleep because I was like, I'm not even safe to sleep. You know? um, so I would go to school and it's like, well, at least I'm away from that. And and I would try to win acceptance and love and everything through my performance at school, but then that didn't work. So then it became like this just feeling of hopelessness. Like no matter what I do, it's never going to work. You know, it's never going to be enough. It's, you know, and of course as kids, uh, we take that on personally and say, like, I'm not enough. It's not it. It's not enough. It's me. You know, it's me. It's me. And, um, so I just kept building up and, uh, you know, we were talking about goal setting before, uh, a little bit ago and uh, before we got on recording and um, it's like that was the only goal I set for my life until I was like late teens early 20s was just to end it and get away because I just didn't see any way that anything could be ever be better because that's supposed to be that you know we've got teachers telling me this is the happiest time of your life I'm like are you insane <laughs> do you know what's going on uh, yeah it was yeah it's, um but that's, you know, that's made me very conscious of how I parent and, you know, uh, and now and, and also realizing that um, regardless of age, it's like anybody can put on a happy face. Mm -hmm. Anybody can fake it. So it's made me, you know, have that, try to have that spidey sense of picking up on what someone might have going on underneath. And, uh, you know, it's like the face of the clown, but, you know, behind the mask, it's like, what's really going on? So, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because so I grew up in a very loving family. There was, you know, my parents uh, weren't alcoholics, although a lot of my family is. Um, 
And so, but I still, when I got to high school, I did not feel like I fit in. You know, I felt like I wasn't good enough. My dad gave me a lot of tough love growing up um, and, you know, said, you could do, you got this, you could do more, you could do better. So I was always trying to please. And that flooded into wanting to please friends, wanting to be, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. who do they want me to be, right? And for me, that turned into um, addiction. And I already have that gene from my family. So I was always a very addictive personality. Um, but did things in your, you know, um, I would say, you know, teens, adulthood get progressively worse for you? Because I know a lot of people, especially who have had a tough upbringing and have that, you know, insecurity and stuff like that, they turn to drugs or alcohol. Did that ever happen for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... I uh, remember when I was 15, I was, well, I, I had drank way before that, but um, when I was 15, I was, I kept, I had a couple of different like bottles of alcohol stashed around like throughout the yard and in the house. Um, and I would take, uh, I would take a couple of drinks every night just to help me be able to get to sleep. Cause I was like so tense all the time um, that I uh, couldn't cause you know, that uneasy um, like paranoia, insecure feeling um, I grew up with. Uh, by that time, like even as a child, like so, my dad had security cameras in the uh, in their business, and I remember one time, like he pulled me in there and said, like, "Yeah, come see this," because he had a monitor, different monitors for him um, at home, and it was just you know, back then he thought it was like state of the art, but it was you know the camera weighed like a hundred pounds, it's like this big, you know, because it was back in the eighties, and. Uh, you couldn't see anything. You really couldn't make out anything. I mean, it was all black and white. There's no sound. But he's like, look, none of them even know they're being watched. And, uh, and he would just keep saying it. And to me, I was like, okay, am I being watched? And because uh, he took so much pride in the fact he was able to like do that and they weren't able to see it. And um, so like I would, uh, you know, like any kid, I had posters in my room. I had Michael Jordan. I had Batman. You know, I had all this stuff but they would freak me out at the same time. Like every time I looked at a mirror or um, uh, like a vent for the heating and air or anything like that, or pictures with eyes at all, whether it was a family member or it was a poster, like I, I would just make up in my mind, I was like, there's a camera behind it and I'm being watched by someone. And like, not even my dad, it's like someone somewhere is watching me at all the time. Even though I knew like there's nothing behind it, I would actually take down the poster. And look, like, there's nothing there take down the mirror and look and in my room they had these closet doors they were all mirrors like there was two like sliding doors that were, or folding sliding doors and so every mirror every poster every picture everything was like that like i just knew i was being watched on the other side and it would just it built that paranoia so by the time i was like 15 it was just but i, I never took the posters down <laughs> like you know, it's like I had control the whole time, but like say even vents or any little nook and cranny, it's like there could be a camera in there that's so small I can't see. You know, it's just um, was making myself crazy with it. So the only way I knew to do anything about it is well, I'd see my dad pass out from drinking. So it's like okay, I can at least get some sleep that way, mm -hmm. and uh, and maybe even not have the nightmares and you know all this stuff. And then I start taking different pills and things like that just to help get sleep. But then I started having to take. Uh, caffeine pills in the morning to wake up right and get going and uh, and just feel a little better and then that turned into uh, you know that led to like after my dad passed away when I was 15 um, that led to me sneaking my mom's anxiety meds and depression meds that they'd given her because I would see antidepressant I'm like okay well I'm depressed I want to be anti-depressed so I would take it <laughs> thinking it was going to do something and uh, then uh, yeah I take the anxiety meds and then I discovered pain pills and you know kept drinking heavier and then the desire to be up um it's funny I, I never got into uh you know smoking pot or anything at that age oh so many friends did they're like oh yeah it's just down and you get relaxed and by then I was like I don't want to be I want to be up I was like I'm down all the time yeah and um uh and that paranoia had built into a point where I was like I need to be high energy I've got to protect myself like I was in fight or flight mode 24 hours a day so then like that led into um uh like cocaine and then it just like started building and then finally one day i was like I'm not doing myself any good i've got to switch something up and because uh, this is not working and uh 
uh, you know, started making some changes, but it was a, you know, just a toxic path of, you know, behavior and, uh, thought patterns for the longest time. It's been the whole time. Like say, even with the caffeine, everything was really about just getting heart rate because when heart rate's up and we're moving, like we feel better, but we don't realize that we think it's, Oh, the magic's in the pill. And all. I said, no, we just, just got to move, got to breathe, like <laughs> get your body going. It does such wonderful things for us and it's changing our state. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, mm. yeah, to think back to that. So it was so sad and so many people are living in very similar ways now, but, um, yeah, but it was all for purpose. I mean, it's, it's all brought me here. So, um, and giving me some, you know, great awareness and, knowledge and wisdom some i wish i could have written a book (laughs) (laughs) life has its reasons right absolutely and i can relate to that wanting to be up because i would i was never really big into downers although pain pills i love especially to go to bed and i used to have to take that kind of stuff right and i got addicted to that i got addicted to sleeping pills you know i would be drinking all night after work but then i maybe get a couple hours sleep and I'd show up at the office and I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do now? So I started taking, you know, caffeine pills and ephedrine and all this stuff and doing this extreme dieting, which looking back now, I'm like, I must have been insane. But it was that I got to stay up. I got to stay alive. Like I got to be this person that everybody else wants me to be. So I can totally relate to that. Now, you mentioned that you've been homeless at a, at a, a point in your life. Yeah, actually two different times. So when I was around um, 1920, um, I, uh, I didn't have a place. And uh, at that time, I actually did. Uh, like, I could have stayed with my mom, but she was, with a, she was in a relationship, and the guy hated me, and we did not get along. And, um, uh, and I didn't, again, I didn't feel safe at home. I had all these things, so I was, like, sleeping in my car a whole lot. And uh, then... Um, uh, you know, uh, was in a scrimmage marriage before this marriage. And, uh, so that, uh, when that practice season there ended, um, I lost everything and, uh, I was, you know, mid thirties and I was living in my car for a while. So that time was like legitimate. Um, luckily there was a buzzword going around at the time called minimalism and being a minimist. So I kind of tossed it around like that to cover up. Cause there was people, you know, was going to work I was a consultant like I was like going in these handling uh uh different I was in catastrophe management I was handling different things then um uh I had acquired I'd been handed so much debt and had all my finances had everything taken away through this uh through a business partnership dissolving and then a divorce that um I didn't see any other options so I was like okay yeah can save my housing expense and start getting out of this and still be able to provide for my kids and still be able to at least go and see them. And, you know, until I figure out something. And, uh, so yeah, I was <laughs> taking, uh, taking care of people, but they're like, you know, I only had like about five or six different shirts at the time. Like I, everything was gone. So I show up to these gigs and I'm like, you just wore that, didn't you? Like, oh, yeah, I'm a minimalist. <laughs> so I, was like, I had to play it off. And, uh, you know, because I was like, I can't, you know, we, like we, um, more stuff we were talking about before uh, the podcast is, you know, um, we as people, especially in Western culture, are so scared to be vulnerable and open and honest with ourselves. And especially as men, it's even worse. And then there I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be this expert. And, uh, but I ended up here, you know, and it's like, an expert wouldn't. It's like, you know, so it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta hide this part. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, and to face everybody and like, there were friends who didn't know, like, I just, I was, um, because again, with like upbringing, I'm like, if you have the programming or for me having the programming of, okay, these home is supposed to be safe and you can ask for anything and you get unconditional love and all this. That's what everybody told me at school. It's like, I didn't, I never felt like I had that. It's like, so all this other stuff about what I hear that true friends are and, you know, people who love you are, it's like, that doesn't exist either. You know, it starts creating these flaws in that whole system. So, uh, and I carry that with me, you know, we carry it unconsciously. So we're not thinking of it all the time. And it, yeah, it got me to where, and still to this day, I have friends, like I made a post the other day and um, 
one of my longest term friends. I've known him since we were teenagers. Uh, his family kind of adopted me in and gave me a place to stay when I was like 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. But my self-worth was so low, I wouldn't take him up on it full time. So I would just come over once in a while, like a sleepover or something for a couple of days. And then uh, and they're like, why don't you just live here? And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I'm just going home. And they knew I wasn't, but they also understood if they would have pushed, it would have done worse than, you know, done more bad than good. But um, so yeah, he saw a post and he reached out to me. He's like, how did I not ever know that? And he's like, are you all right? What's going on? What's going on right now? What are you having from me now? I was like, and that was a couple of years ago that that post was about. It's like everything, trust me, you know, everything now is like different. Appealed and moved on. But uh, yeah, it's just we get in that poor me and no one's going to understand and I'm not worth whatever. Mm-hmm. And start withdrawing and hiding. And it's like, if I wouldn't have been like that, I wouldn't have been the duck sleeping in my car, you know, and hoping that the repo man doesn't catch me because it's like, then I would truly be without anything. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, I was a, I say a horrific experience, but very humbling and very educating in so many ways. And uh, also too, I beat myself up. I was like, wow, I'm here a second time mm-hmm. as an adult and then a father. I was like, how bad, like it brought up a lot of that programming and helped me get aware of it because all those ideas started running and, that's the beauty of the shadows and the darkness in our life is they're going to expose what got us there, you know, all the programming. So then all we have to do is correct it, change it, and release it. And it's like, that's actually way easier than we think. And uh, it's like, but we have to be aware of it. Yeah. You know, and um, in a lot of indigenous cultures, um, they actually celebrate when that baggage comes up. And because they're like, that's the unconscious mind letting me know it's time to release it. And when I heard that, I was like, it's a different way to look at it because the culture I grew up in, when that stuff comes up, you drink something, you pop something, you eat something, you do something to get mm-hmm. it away and sweep it under the rug and you ignore it. And it's like here, I'm hearing about these tribal cultures who go and celebrate and actually have ceremonies. It's like, wow, that's kind of different. <laughs> um, it, uh, it changed my perspective and it really started helping. Uh, still this day, actually, uh, sometimes... My wife doesn't find it as funny when I do it to her. Uh, uh, whenever her baggage comes up, I'm like, yeah, we get to celebrate. <laughs> she's like, no, not now. <laughs> yeah. It's, but it, yeah, it's, but. you know, being vulnerable and you touched on it earlier. It's so important. I mean, before this, we talked about how actually sharing what's going on in our lives and those negative experiences other people, you know, when you tell them, they'll be like, wow, me too. I didn't know anybody, you know, I felt alone. I felt like nobody's been through this. So um, it's so important. And I think that if you're willing to let those kind of things inspire you to be a better person instead of, because you could have very well been like, okay, you know what? I've had a, a awful upbringing. This is how I feel. I'm going to feel this way for the rest of my life. And the world owes me. And I think, unfortunately, too many people grew up like that and they almost use all that stuff as a crutch you know it's they don't look at it and go okay i have so much experience now what if i just reached out or shared my story and somebody else could say oh i'm not alone you know like you could make such a big difference in other people's lives which you are now so what inspired you to change your life and turn it around (laughs) there's been a a few things like the uh when i was 14 i had this like really low spot and i'd finally said okay that's it and i'm gonna end it i can't take it anymore and um i was actually sitting there with a gun to my head and i was literally squeezing the trigger and then something clicked and it wasn't in the gun it was like in my head and um i just i shifted and i got really angry and um uh not angry at anyone or anything except for just the situation i was like this is wrong. Like no one should ever feel this way. And especially a kid for as long as I have. And, uh, and I made a promise right there. I was like, if I ever figure out how to get out of this and, you know, find the light or whatever, um, you know, get out of this darkness. I was like, I'm going to help people do the same. I was like, from that moment forward, I will spend my life doing that. Unfortunately, <laughs> I didn't know what to do or anything else so I, and i was still in that same environment i didn't understand like how much power i actually had um even though i was in that environment you know uh, i didn't realize like 
all that matters is how we perceive the situation. That's, that's it. Bad things happen every day. Um, and uh, a lot of horrific things happen all the time, but it's like, it's how we react and respond. And it just didn't have that, you know, the wherewithal at that point, the, uh, the awareness to realize you know, what I could, what I was onto and what I could actually do. And then, um, but I was still going to school and, you know, by that time I was flunking like everything. It, um, so I was being told I was a screw up there. Um, you know, all this stuff. So it's like, I just kept buying back into it. And then, um, my mom, uh, when I was about 16, asked me to repeat, uh, 12th grade. Cause she's like, you know, if you, cause I was going to drop out of school, I was like, there's no point going such a screw up. I'm never going to pass anyway. I'm never getting to college. And I was like, well, I graduated high school if I'm not going on beyond that. And then, uh, I was like, I, you know, it's like I'm miserable everywhere. Why am I going to keep going there? And, uh, so then, uh, my mom was like, well, if you stay in school and then graduate, um, or repeat 12th grade, she's like, cause at that point, like I was, if I would have carried on through, I would actually graduate at 17. So she's like, I can actually get social security money from your dad passing away. Uh, as long as you're in school up until you're age 19. And she's, my birthday came a few months after. Uh, so she's like, up, you know, you repeat 12th grade and get an extra year. Uh, wanting that acceptance and love so much. I was like, okay. But also in that moment, I realized I was like, that's all I'm worth. So it was like, it gave me some hope. And at the same time, it like took all away from me. It was like this really weird paradox. And, uh, and then it really sank in. Like one day I happened to see the check because they came in the mail in my name and I opened it up and it was like $632 or something like that. And uh, I was like, that's every penny I'm worth right there. I was like, I see it printed out government issue check. Boom. And for a long time, even into my twenties, I never made more than $632 a month. And if I ever did, I would leave the job. Like something would happen. I would screw up and get fired or I would just quit. I would blow up the manager and walk out something. Now I understand it was like this, all this unconscious thing of like, I'm not worth more than that. Um, but, uh, so I repeated 12th grade. It's amazing how the universe works and uh, any human on this planet can be a guardian angel. So I had had um, several, almost every teacher I had along the way, just seeing me as my transcripts and nothing more. But um, there was one teacher, uh, all these teachers I would have never met if I hadn't stayed in school. Um, I met one a beautiful man named Jerry Taylor uh, and he saw some potential in me and tried to get me into an engineering apprenticeship program. I got accepted because I was too young. My mom had to sign and she wouldn't, she thought I made the thing up. And, uh, so it was like a boost and then a hit. And then, uh, coach Scott Mosley, he had seen some, uh, potential in me. So it was enough to like, keep me going. Then I met this guy named coach Calderon and it was his second year as a teacher, first year at my school. And I'm in my second senior year. I needed half a credit for the second semester of his class to graduate. And that was it. And, um, I, uh, so I'm just, I'm not showing up to any class. And if I am, I'm sleeping through it. And, uh, finally second semester rolls around and I was like, okay, I'm actually going to graduate this time. And, uh, but I had built this habit pattern of not putting an effort and never trying. So I didn't know how I couldn't break through that. Like, programming I'd given myself of just being lazy. So I'd get into class. I still wouldn't do anything. I'd fall asleep. And he asked to see me after class one day, about two weeks into the new semester, two, three weeks. And he comes up to me as a stack of papers. And um, he's like, I don't know what you have going on. I don't know anything about you. He's like, you've never said a word in this class. Um, he's like, you refuse to participate in when I call you. And uh, he's like, I don't have any idea what must be going on inside your head or inside your home. It's like, I don't, I'm sorry for that. He said, but what I do know, he shaked the papers, then he slapped them down on the desk and started tapping them. And he's like, this is not who you are. And he's like, I'm not going to accept that kind of behavior from you anymore. And I'm not going to allow you to accept it from yourself. And that's the most uncomfortable I've ever felt in my life. Because <laughs> no one had ever actually said those things to me. Everybody just told me this, you know, this is you, this is you. And, um, uh, so I just stood there like this, you know, just <laughs> eyes wide open during the headlights. And then he's like, you can leave whenever you want. We're done. That's all I had to say. I got up and sprinted out of the room because it was so uncomfortable and so freaked out. And, uh, but 
you know, what's, what he did in psychology is called a pattern interrupt. And it's like, he shook me up and then planted a seed. And that seed was like, I am worthy. And um, I started showing up to his class every day and never miss it. I would skip every other class all day and sneak back onto campus to take his class and then skip again. And, uh, and I had planned in my mind, I was like, okay, this check runs out the day I graduate, boom, I'm done. And, uh, but then also in my mind, I was like, okay, well, if she got social security from my dad passing away, maybe she can get it from me when I end my life. So it's like, okay, school is over June 7th, June 8th, I'm done because all my values up. And that's the only way I can continue to, you know, help the family and be a value or whatever. And well, that day, day came and it passed, nothing happened. And it took me a couple of years. All of a sudden, one day in my mid-20s, I looked back and I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I dreamed of that day for literally years. That was the only goal I set and focused on for the last couple of years of um, high school, actually all of high school. And I was like, what in the world happened? Because I wa literally wanted nothing more. And um, because I was finally, it's like, I'm going to be free is how I saw it. I was like, because whatever's on the other side cannot be this. And at least it'll be different, you know? And uh, so I look back and it's like, wow, it's Coach Calderon. And, uh, and then Jerry Taylor and Scott Mosley, it was all these seeds being planted up until we get to the point of uh, Coach Calderon stepping in and just, you know, like, hey, wake up. <laughs> it's time, you know? And um, uh, so I was like, wow really amazing and it started showing me it's like something so simple i mean i wasn't talking to him for 90 seconds in you know, the whole conversation and it's like that made that big of an impact i said huh and it started making me aware of well damn if he could say that to me what about what i'm saying to myself and then like it finally all this stuff like finally started waking up in me and um and so i started changing because it's like okay the way i've been doing it isn't working so maybe I should try something different. It's like, I don't know what that is, but I know what I've been doing and I know what the opposite of that is. So maybe there's the answer over there. And uh, cause I'm just running up into a wall here. And so I turned around, started doing things different. And it's amazing how fast things started to improve. And then when I found out I was going to be a parent the first time with my oldest son, um, Jaden, then it really fanned, just fanned the fire and threw gasoline on it. Um, that's when I really dove into self-development and psychology and neuroscience and all this other stuff. Cause I was like, okay, I know I'm doing so much better now than anyone ever thought was possible for me, including myself. I said, like, but I know there's still some skeletons in the closet and I don't want to dress my kids out of the baggage I'm still carrying. And, uh, so I was like, I want to find how to dig it up and I want to find out how to get rid of it. And, uh, cause I'd been, I had tried meds. I tried, um, psychologists and you know psychotherapists all this different stuff and it was just never getting there and i'm i'm an impatient person <laughs> so, uh, but i was spending years in therapy and i was like i'm really not making anywhere i was like what's going on it's like is it me is it you know something it's like i know there's an answer i just haven't found what works for me yet and when Jaden, when i found out you know, i was going to be a parent it's like okay now no excuses breaking down all barriers, there's an answer out there and I'm going to find it. And then I did. And then as I dove deeper, I just became more and more obsessed and like passionate with it and absolutely loved it and just so fascinated with it. And then before I knew it, people started saying, Hey, will you coach me? <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm not a coach. And they're like, you're certified and all this stuff. I was like, well, yeah, I did that to fix me. It's <laughs> like, I never thought about doing anyone else. So then I had to work on my mindset some more and realize, Oh yeah. Like, do it i coached myself through it you know and um, and then of course i had coaches and i learned from them but yeah it was uh it's an interesting ride but you know there were several triggers and then probably the the biggest one that really like woke me up and actually before we got on the um podcast you actually were talking about how every life has value can't remember exactly what you said but um but whenever you said it, it reminded me i had a daughter in 2010 she passed away and um uh on august 7th not long after birth at all. Um, but there was, I saw so much amazing things come, come out of her. Like there were new protocols put into place that have saved so many lives since then. And all because she existed. And uh, in that moment, um, like even in her final moments, like I was just so joyous. And because 
I had had all this good news from the doctors. Like, okay, from now on, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. You know, all these lives are going to be saved. And I was like, wow. It's like every life, it doesn't matter length, because I know people who've lived to 100 never did anything. <laughs> I was like, but this, this girl comes in, this angel comes in and lives for, you know, just a, 99 minutes. I mean, not even uh, physically outside the womb, like not even a full day. It's like, look at all these ripples created. Like every life has value, even mine. Because like, if it's true for her, it has to be true for all of us. I was like, okay, I need to step it up again. So there was another up level. And I mean, every time I've anything with my kids, it's amazing how they, they, they bring that out of us. And then, but with her, I was like, okay, there is no excuses anymore. It's like, I'm playing smaller than I could be. And it's time to step it up and help others do the same. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, that was the biggest one. I already had momentum going and then that one just exploded it. And it's like, okay, there's, I have no excuse. And, uh, it's like, I have all these stories. It's time to cl stop collecting stories <laughs> and start you know, creating, helping others have their own story and, you know, uh, transformation and transition, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And it's such a gift being a coach. I mean, I'm new to it, although looking back now, I've been helping people for seven years get sober. So I, I've really been doing coaching for a while now. And I have, like you said, a lot of stories and it's time to do something about that. But I yeah, think it sneaks up on you being a coach. It's like, wow, I've actually been doing it forever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, I do have experience. I just haven't actually allowed myself to put on a hat. <laughs> exactly. But it's such a gift to be able to help somebody see their true potential. And that's one of my whys is to empower and inspire others to have that belief in themselves to be able to change. And sometimes it's just going, hey, you know what? This is my story. This is how I got out of it and helping them realize, okay, it's possible for her. This is possible for me, right? And it, I don't think people realize, I mean, I know I used to have this fear of opening up to people, right? I would I would think about calling someone. I'm like, ah, no, you know what? I'm, I'm a burden and I'm wasting their time. But you could actually be helping somebody by doing that, right? And that person could be stuck in their head and they could be like, ah, oh, I'm having a really terrible day. This is such a big deal. And then, you know, you make one phone call to them and you tell them what you're going through and you need some advice and all of a sudden they're stuck. They're unstuck. You know, they're thinking, well, okay, you know what, I was pretty choked that my spouse didn't do the dishes there and I'm not feeling it anymore, you know, that's kind of selfish. So I think being a coach is such a gift and it helps me become a better person, being able to work with people who also want to become better people, right? But yeah. what does life look like for you today? Because I know you coach, you do all these cool things. We talked about a lot of it before the show, but, you know, what does your life look like? Um. It's absolute mess right now. <laughs> Thanks to Rona. It's uh it's homeschool and no, um it's uh yeah, so I do um a lot of men's coaching, uh men's empowerment coaching. Um because yeah, I have three boys, so I was like, I need to make sure if I'm gonna teach them how to be one, I need to make sure I'm a healthy version <laughs> of one. So uh and I didn't have healthy role models growing up, so it's like okay, uh I have ideas and I have theories, but I wanna actually, you know have tried and tested, you know, uh, skills here. And, and as that evolved, I was like, okay, this is actually needed. It's, you know, it's amazing how many men have traumas and sexual abuse and all this stuff that, um, is never spoken about because they're afraid to get picked on or bullied and all that. So, um, so that's uh, a lot of my one-on-one -on -one drive and I have uh, some groups, but also my wife and I, um, we have a, coaching certification programs where we teach coaches the same uh, techniques and things we have to help their clients have, you know, um, uh, these things to release things like PTSD and phobias and um, limiting beliefs and food addictions and all these things in between that are very simple techniques and literally takes minutes to work with someone and have them have this shift inside. And uh, we, um, yeah, when we first met, we both had this idea because the way they're typically delivered is you've got to travel somewhere and stay and have all these travel expenses and then pay thousands of dollars you know, for the course and just to get this like one technique that you wanted. And there's all this fluff and filler around in the rest of the course. 
I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And so we, for a couple of years, spent trying to figure out how can we do it and quality and deliver, deliver it virtually so people don't have the travel expense and all this other stuff. And it's funny how life works and the universe works because the, um, the one specifically for like the traumas and things, it's like we had finally figured it out and decided to launch it. Uh, February 5th was the first day of class. And then boom, coronavirus happens afterwards. And it's like, can't travel. It doesn't matter. You can get it. <laughs> and, like, and all this other stuff is there. It's like, wow, it's amazing how it all works out. Like once you're on like a congruent path with, with, uh, what you're here for. Um, Sam, do that. Uh, see, so yeah, I have a couple of different things. I say I still coach because I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I used to speak on stage a lot. Obviously, that's not around anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I'm on podcast a lot now. But, um, uh, but yeah, so it's coaching and then teaching others uh, either how to get into coaching and just be a coach from the get go, or okay, you're a coach, need some more other techniques. Boom, you know, here it is. So we have a couple of different levels, and it all came from. I uh, see so you and I were kind of talking about it's like what you your clients end up telling you what you need to do for the next uh, level. So um, we started out with some sort of final and neuro linguistic programming, and uh, which is all like communication and mindset based. And then, um, then from that, they're like, "Well, that thing you do with me to release my phobia or my friend's trauma or whatever. How do I learn that?" So, okay, well, <laughs> let's figure that out because we've been working on it and. It finally, yeah, it finally came in. So we have a couple of certification programs for them, and um, and I do some youth empowerment. Um, so that's uh, there won't be a camp this year, it looks like, but um, yeah, there's some uh, some youth empowerment stuff. And I practice. I tell every client, every student, it's like everything I bring to you. I've run myself through, my wife through, and then my kids. And I wait a couple of weeks, and as long as nobody starts having any little twitches or anything, we're good to go, <laughs> and we move forward with it. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a fantastic ride to be where I've been and then be here. It's like there was no part of the journey where I ever thought it would be where it is now. And but it's funny, you know, life only makes sense looking back. And uh, you know, everybody says, "Oh, don't look at the past. Don't look at the past." It's like every now and then, do because realize how far you've come. Uh, it's like every time I do, it's like I get a little choked up with just gratitude. It's like wow, and it makes it all worthwhile, right? It creates that ripple of healing going all the way back to our, you know, little child self, you know, so many decades ago, well, forward for me now, but, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a ride. Yeah. And you're right. Looking back, I don't close the door on my past because the past has made me who I am. You know, I can talk about these things and relate with other people who are dealing with the same struggles because I've been through it. So I think that's amazing what you're doing. It's super, super awesome. So if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you, how would they reach you? Um, well, then go to brooksempowermentacademy.com. Um, it's, uh, we're getting ready to update it because looked at it the other day. It's like, wow, yeah, there, <laughs> there's <some laughs> new stuff we need to add on there and change what's on there. But, um, uh, but who looks at websites anymore? So we're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and all of those. You can find me at backslash dot uh, com backslash uh, Kit Brooks Coach. Um, and, uh, yeah, on all three platforms. Let's say LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, and yeah, I'm posting uh, regularly, putting content out to uh, to help everybody. And then uh, anyone can feel free to reach out at any time. And uh, we actually have a free little mini course that's going to be coming soon. Um, people want to check out it be understanding how our mind works and why like baggage forms and also in current times, like how to keep this from causing more damage long-term with what's going on with coronavirus. And we also have a, um, a course that we put together that I actually want to gift your audience. Um, I'll get you the link to send out if you'd like to. It's a, a 30 days to empower positive thinking. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've had amazing feedback, um, even from people who have invested to get into it. It's like, you know, let's start gifting that to some of the, uh, podcast audiences just as a thank you for having us on, but also now, yeah, people need as much, uh, 
positive thinking as they can. And it could have actually been 14 days to empower positive thinking, but uh, <laughs> it'll make sense whenever you get in there, like <laughs> the way it got designed. But uh, yeah, so within, um, uh, within a few days, you start to notice a huge shift in perspectives and just go along with it. it uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. Excellent. Well, we're going to put all that in the show notes so people can sign up and get the links for everything coming up. But thank you so much for being on the show. I absolutely loved our chat. We may have to do a part two of this because <laughs> we probably could have gone on way longer, but thank you so oh, much for being We could have done a here. summit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. awesome. I agree. And maybe we will. So, but yeah, thank oh, you man. so much, Kip. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing Kip. Um, wow, he has such an amazing story. And I just know he's going to help so many people. I'm really glad that we can connect. Um, I hope to bring him on the show again. I think that is just one of the best parts about being a podcaster. And I know I've said it before. Uh, but when you truly do something you love, and you get to speak to like minded people, um, amazing things happen. And I have just been so inspired from the stories that I've been able to share with you. And I want to continue doing that. So if you yourself has a story um, that you've been through something that you want to share with people and you want to inspire people, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email info at the road to health dot me or you can head on over to my website and you can book a call and we can chat. And um, yeah, I just I love speaking to people who have such a powerful story to share. Because I believe that this world needs some more hope and inspiration. And so make sure you reach out. And guys, I hope you all stay well out there and stay safe. And until next time, have an amazing week. That wraps up another episode of the Road to Health podcast, where my goal is to empower and inspire you to build a firm belief in your own ability to change your life and start achieving your goals. I know from experience, it can be hard to make healthy lifestyle changes that actually stick. I work with people to help them define their goals and identify the roadblocks that stop them from achieving them. If you would like to take advantage of a free consultation call to figure out how you can reach your goals, visit my website at www.theroadtohealth.me and book today. When you're there, make sure you sign up for my five steps to achieving your goals. And until next time, be safe and healthy.